You know, there's a big difference between hearing and listening. Hearing is the, the function of perceiving sound, but listening is when we take time to give thoughtful consideration to something. My wife would tell you, I hear her many times, but I don't often listen. Because why? Because listening takes a receptive heart and it takes an open mind. You know, Jesus understood this principle, I think, better than anybody. Think about the diversity of the crowds that he would speak to when he would share. There were people who came who were simply curious, but they weren't convinced. There were those who were simply bored and wanted to see what all the activity was. There were also those in the crowd who were actively working against Jesus, who wanted to prove that he was a fraud, that he was not the son of God. And so they were actively looking ways to entrap Jesus as he spoke. And then you had others who were true believers, who hung on every word that Jesus spoke as if it were the words of God himself, which they were. So how do you speak to such a diverse crowd who brings so many different things to the table? Well, we're going to see one of the ways that Jesus spoke quite often to these kinds of groups was through the use of parables. And Jesus did this again over and over we see in the New Testament. So what is a parable? Let me give you a simple explanation. A parable is simply this. A parable is an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. And I love this. It's simply a story that we would all understand in everyday life. But there is a deeper heavenly meaning to that. The goal for us this summer, during our summer series, is we're going to take time to look at the parables of Jesus. And the goal for us is to not simply hear them, but it is to truly listen to what Jesus is trying to tell to us. So today we're going to start with really the, the parable that sets up why Jesus chose to speak in parables. It's really the original inception. It's a parable inside of a parable to tell us more about parables. And so that's where we're heading today. So if you've got your Bibles, if you would, turn me to the book of Matthew chapter 13. If you've got your devices, turn them on and go to lexcity.info. Again, all the information of things that are happening at our church you'll find there. Sermon notes are there, and I'm going to make reference to it even a little bit later during our time together. So Matthew chapter 13, and we start in verse 1. And he says this, Later the same day, Jesus left the house and sat beside the lake. A large crowd soon gathered around him, so he got into the boat. And then he sat there and he taught as the people stood on the shore. You know, there's many reasons I, I believe the Bible, but one of them is, is that science and historical data continue to reinforce that the events of the Bible were true. You know, one of the questions we get was, how could Jesus possibly speak to such large crowds without a PA system? Well, you know, the answer can be found. If you've ever been to the Holy Lands and been near the Sea of Galilee, you can picture the events that are taking place during this parable. In fact, in the 1970s, an archaeologist named Chrysler and a professional sound tech named Mike Miles did an experiment off the Sea of Galilee, and they stood a few feet in where they anticipated Jesus' boat could have been, and they projected how far the human voice could carry on land. And this is what they found out that the voice carried easily 300 feet from the site where Jesus spoke. Again, I love the way the creator uses his creation to continue to share his message. So what did Jesus share at this moment with this crowd, this large crowd that gathered? Well, let's go to verse three. And Jesus told many stories in the form of parables. Again, earthly stories with a heavenly meaning, such as this one. He said, listen, a farmer went out to plant some seeds and he scattered them across his field. Some seeds fell on a footpath and the birds came and ate them. Other seeds fell on shallow soil with underlying rocks. The seeds sprouted quickly because the soil was shallow, but the plants soon withered under the hot sun. And since they did not have deep roots, they died. 
Other seeds fell upon thorns and grew up and choked them out, these poor tender plants. Still other seeds fell on fertile soil, and they produced a crop that was 30, 60, and even 100 times as much as he had planted. And here's verse 9. And everyone with ears to hear should, here's what Jesus says, look at the verse, listen and understand. Again, Jesus is making this important distinction between hearing and listening. But it's interesting, now even his disciples who were there at the moment were confused what Jesus was doing and what Jesus was saying. Look at it, verse 10. The disciples came and asked him, why do you use parables when you talk with people? They're looking at Jesus and say, Jesus, we're, we're just a little confused. We've gathered this large crowd. They're waiting for you to say something profound and life-changing, and you're talking about seeds and soil. Jesus, don't you know there are people who think you're already a little crazy, that you're a fraud, that you're not very intelligent like the religious leaders of the day? Why do you speak in such simplicity? And you could just hear the disciples saying, Jesus, why don't you just come out and say what you really mean? right? Be clear. Give a declarative statement about your authority. Jesus, we're so confused. You're talking about seeds and soil, and the crowd wants to know about the human condition and if you are the Savior. Can you imagine in this moment, like many moments, Jesus just smiling and internally thinking these things. Listen, my friends, you don't understand. I am talking about the human condition. It, it's the mystery of the kingdom of God that you're not perceiving and this is the very reason that I'm speaking to you in parables. He goes on to talk. And I love the way a great priest, Robert Capone, said this about parables. Let me just put it on here because I think it speaks to the heart of God. He says this, for Jesus, the meaning of God's kingdom is a radical mystery. Even as he tells people about it, he remains permanently intractable, which means it's difficult to all attempts to fully grasp it. Even after they hear it, they're not fully sure what they've heard. Jesus did not use parables, here's the key, to explain everything to people's satisfaction, but rather to call into questions people's previous understanding. Don't we see this over and over what Jesus did? He's calling into question their understanding of religion, their understanding of what it means to worship God. That was the goal of it. In other words, the parables are trying to upset people's existing ideas as well as provide them with new ones. They are meant to pop every circuit breaker in people's minds. After all our yammering and opinions about how God should or shouldn't run the world, he's getting people to just stand there with their eyes wide open and their mouths shut. This would be a giant step forward. This is what Jesus' parables are designed to do. It really is designed to take your framework on how you think about religion and God and turn it upside down. And I love it. It's to open your ears and open your eyes and just have your mouth shut and begin to question, what is he really trying to say? So Jesus now unwraps the mystery that he's talking about. And I want to give you five reasons why Jesus taught with parables. And we're going to see this today. It's kind of hard to get your hand around. But Jesus spoke not only to clarify the truth to some, but he also spoke in parables to hide the truth from others. Both things are happening at the same time. Look what he says in verse 11. He said, he replied, you are permitted to understand the secrets of the kingdom of heaven, but others are not. Five reasons why Jesus spoke in parables. Number one is simply this. Truth only comes from the Holy Spirit. That understanding truth, here's what we need to know, is a gift of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Remember when Peter made this profound confession of this is who I'm understanding who Jesus is? 
We, we find it in Matthew chapter 16, verse 17. It says this, and Jesus replied, you are blessed, Simon, son of John, because my Father in heaven has revealed this to you. You did not learn this from any human beings. He's telling Peter, Peter, your, your intelligence, your, your insight, your formal training did not give you this insight. You have this new insight of truth. Why? Because it came from my heavenly Father. That spiritual understanding comes by the work of the Spirit in our lives. 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 12 says it this way, so that you know that no one speaking by the Spirit of God will curse Jesus, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. We're taught again that that sin hardens the heart towards truth, but the Spirit opens the eyes and opens one's heart to the truth. That's why you and I, we all know amazingly intelligent people who just can't quite seem to grasp and understand the truth of the gospel. They can't fully grasp even this understanding of God's amazing love and God's amazing grace for them. The gospel in its essence is extremely simple and yet sometimes the most intelligent people cannot grasp the concept or understand it. Their hearts are hardened, their, their spiritual eyes are closed. In fact, they can be standing right before the truth and they miss it totally. <laughs> In Matthew chapter 13, that's what's happening. The truth is literally standing just a few feet away from them in a boat proclaiming this, and yet we'll see that many of the crowd couldn't see it. That's why when it comes to evangelism, that's why when it comes to sharing our faith with others, listen, it has to begin with prayer. It has to begin asking for the Spirit of God to open their eyes and to open their hearts and to reveal truth of a spiritual nature to people. Number two is that the truth is found in the heart and not simply the head. <laughs> Pastor J.D. Greer says it this way, which has always helped me to think about it. He says this, the same sun that hardens the clay is also the same sun that softens the wax. The issue is not the exposure of the sun. The issue is the condition of the materials that the sun shines on. You know, Jesus spoke in parables because he understood that some who were hearing, their hearts were like clay, and the more it was exposed, they became hardened. So Jesus speaks in parables so that they would not be accountable for more truth than they had already received. He's protecting them, protecting the accountability of their lives. He also spoke in parables because he understood some people, the condition of their heart was soft like wax, and so when they would hear, they would receive, and they would respond to the truth that Jesus had for them. The issue, again, was the condition of the heart that they experienced. So if the issue of the heart is so important, let me give you five conditions of a heart that is moving towards being hardened. When the sun, the S-O-N, shines upon it, it turns like clay that's hard. And so here are five things to avoid. Number one, it's a heart that is unwilling to change. In the book of John, chapter seven, verse 17, the Lord says this, anyone who wants to do the will of God will know whether my teaching is from God or merely my own. The key is those who want to do the will of God. We'll see over and over that submission to God is a prerequisite in order to know the will of God. I have to want to do his will before God will show me his will. You know, so many times in our day and age, we, we want to turn that around. We, we, we think of it in just the opposite way. We say, God, you show me whatever that is, fill in the blank in your life. And once you show me, I will consider if I will follow you or not. I'll change, right, if I agree with the change that you want for me in my life. It's a heart that's unwilling to change. Second heart condition is this, a heart that loves its sin. 
Psalms chapter 66, verse 18 says it this way. If I had not confessed the sin in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. See, that's why times in your life you, you, you feel spiritually dry, why, why worship feels flat, why the teaching feels shallow in our lives. When those moments happen and we feel that going in with our heart, can I encourage you, the first place to look is not for outward reasons for it, Psalm says the first place we need to look is inwardly. What is the condition of our heart? See, sin is gonna keep you from the truth. Sin is gonna keep you from understanding and realizing to the full potential who God is. If you're living for yourself, listen, all week long, you can't expect to come on a Sunday and experience God in a new and a fresh way because your heart is being consumed with the things of the world. The Bible says it's a heart that loves sin. Third condition of a heart that's hardening is this, is that heart that hates others. In 1 John chapter 4, verse 20, Jesus says this, if someone says, I love God, but hates a fellow believer, that person is a liar. For if we don't love people we can see, how can we love a God whom we cannot see? And I love that God makes this really important connection between loving people and loving him. Saying again, if you can't love the people that you see every day, how are you gonna love me when you can't see me? We think about the idea of the human heart. I think one thing that's breaking the heart of God the most during this time and this era is to see the, the hatred and division that is being experienced amongst his children. And God says this, in the heart there can exist both love and hatred. That's why in the family of God, there is no place for racism. There is no place for bigotry because why? A heart that has hatred is not a heart that can experience love. And so God says, guard your heart. Protect your heart during these things from hardening towards hatred that you have. Number four is simply this, a, a, a heart that cares more about the opinions of others. John chapter five, verse 44 says this, no wonder you can't believe for you gladly honor each other, but you don't care about the honor that comes from the one alone God. And you see this over and over. As a former youth pastor, I see this lived out so many times in the lives of a student. A student is extremely active in youth group. They're engaged in church, and then all of a sudden they head off to college, and within a matter of two semesters, they seem to have walked away from God and lost their faith. And all of a sudden you see in their hearts and their minds that they are more worried about the opinions of others than they are the opinion of God and how they should live their life. Great preacher Tim Keller says this. He says, when a young person who grows up in church all of a sudden says they have walked away from faith in their God, the first question he always asks them is, who are you sleeping with now? He says it always makes them extremely uncomfortable, but 99% of the time they have an answer to that question. And you know that temptation doesn't change just when you leave your tw 20s. We all face that on a daily basis. The question every day is, who do you wanna please, right? Am I more concerned with the opinions of others than I am with the opinion of God? Do I wake up every day with my life, with my day, with my hour, with my calendar saying, today my goal is to please God? Because the Lord says over and over in the New Testament, right? We cannot serve two masters. And the gap between... The, the opinions of the world and the opinions of your heavenly father seem to be growing farther and farther apart every day. One of the conditions of a human heart that hardens quickly is a heart that is more concerned with the opinions of others. And all these come back, 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 15. And let me just put this here on the screen for you. It simply says this, our lives are a Christ-like fragrance rising up to God, but this fragrance is perceived differently 
by those who are being saved and by those who are perishing. This is the key. He says, listen, it's the same. Our lives are a fragrance, but how we live our lives, it's perceived differently by what? These two groups. It's perceived differently if you're simply hearing or if you're truly listening to the things of God. Jesus spoke in parables to create clarity for some and then to create confusion for others that they would not be accountable for the truth. The same sun, the S-O-N sun, shines down and on some hearts it hardened and on some hearts it began to soften. And at the end of this story in Matthew chapter 13, Jesus does something that he normally didn't do in all of the parables. Jesus now begins to explain the parables to his listeners. He says, I'm gonna tell you about the seeds in the soil and I'm gonna give you four types of seeds and I wanna briefly explain to you what this means. Verse 18. Now listen to the explanation of the parables about the farmer and the planting seeds. The seed that fell on the footpath represents those who hear the message about the kingdom and don't understand it. Then evil one comes and snatches away the seeds that was planted in their hearts. Here's the first condition of the soil. It is a hard heart. It's a person who hears the truth but doesn't respond to the truth and the enemy comes in and snatches away or the enemy comes in and creates doubt or I think what we experience even more in our culture today is that the distractions of this world quickly cloud the truth that was shared. For many of you today, listen, if you don't respond to the truth that we're sharing today, within two hours, you're gonna become so distracted with the things of everyday life, you're gonna forget about things. You're gonna press them down and put them on the, the back burner. In 2020, my fear is this. I think more people are going to hell because they have been distracted than what they have of doubt. The reality is we become so focused on the temporal that if we're not careful, we forget all about the things that are truly eternal. So today, can I just challenge you? Before you leave church, before you sign off on our online device today, wrestle with this question. The question of who is God in my life? Right, don't just hear that and then shut it off and go on your life thinking you'll deal with it later. This is the moment. Who is God in your life? If you're here in service this morning, I wanna invite you at the end of our service to come down front. We'll have people that'd be willing to talk and to share. Many of you are watching online today with us. Put a question in the chat area. Connect with somebody even online to answer that question, who is God in my life? Verse 20 goes on to tell of another heart. It says, verse 20, the seed on rocky soil represents those who hear the message and immediately receive it with joy. But since they do not have deep roots, it does not last long. They fall away as soon as they have problems and are persecuted for believing God's word. This next kind of heart is it's a tough one. It's, it's a shallow heart, a faith that withers away with the slightest challenges, with the slightest opposition that comes that way. It's usually a heart that has made a sincere but an emotional response to Jesus that they have. And in that response, there just wasn't a depth of understanding of what it truly means to be a follower of Christ. You know, when I think about this kind of heart, again, I'm reminded again of, of my years uh, ago in, in youth ministry. And at one of our denominational camps, we had a nationally well-known speaker come in and it was the third day of camp revivals and kids are tired and wore down and very emotionally vulnerable and susceptible in this moment. And he shared a very emotional, I think manipulative sermon 
that created a lot of tears and created some sense of response. But what I, we quickly realized as leaders is that it was connecting this response to Jesus on a purely emotional level. And the challenge with the shallow kind of seeds that were being planted is that the moment these students would face opposition or challenge, when the emotion was gone, if it's not grounded in who Jesus is, it became like seeds that would quickly wither. It was bad enough, we actually asked the speaker to leave, he didn't finish out the week. We began to kind of work with our kids to remind us the power and importance of emotion, but that emotion has to be grounded in the person and the work of Jesus Christ, that my salvation is secure because of what Jesus did for us on the cross, and that produces a great amount of emotion with it. But the fruit that's planted can't be shallow. It's gotta be grounded in there. The other kind of heart we see in verse 22 that the seed that fell along the thorns represents those who hear God's word, but all too quickly the message is crowded out by the worries of this life and the lure of wealth. So no fruit is produced. I've called this simply a consumed heart. A person who hears the word and may even believe the word, but they don't prioritize the word. They hear and they respond Things like church, things like personal disciplines are important, but they're just not as important as this. These activities, these functions, these goals that I have in my life. Verse 22 says it this way, the seed that fell along the thorns represents those who hear God's word, but, are, but too quickly the message is crowded out. And here's by the two things it says, look here on the verse, crowded out by this, by the worries of this life and the lure of wealth. It's interesting, the latest Barna research shows for churchgoers during this time of pandemic, here's what they found, that 48% of churchgoers haven't either attended church or watched online in the last four weeks. Think about that, 48% have been so consumed with other things that they've missed the life-giving joy of joining together with the family of God. Now, I know I'm speaking to the, the, uh, the choir today, 52% of you who are watching online, we're so grateful for you to do that. But think about that. How can we expect to experience the truth of God in our life if we're not going to prioritize him and his teaching above other things? When we're consumed with the worries of this life, and then what's the second part? It's the lure of wealth, or can I say to you, the burden of indebtedness. I know that's one of the things that can steal your joy the quickest is just the weight of feeling a slave to my indebtedness that I have. Hey, I wanna just remind you a great little resource is right now, if you go to DaveRamsey.com, they have a 14-day free trial that you can join, Financial Peace University. We teach that class here at the church and we'll teach it again. It's such a powerful way because listen, I, I know and I understand what it feels like, the weight of being financially upside down and the challenges that come with that. So I just wanna encourage you, don't let that seed, that burden, be something that consumes you, that you miss the truth of who Jesus is. Or maybe we're on the other end and we're just chasing the, the American dream at such a level, the desire for what is bigger and better and newer and shinier has just begun to consume us. When it comes to Sunday, when it comes to community and things like this, if we're not careful, they, they just begin to feel like we're going through the emotions and we're just going through the, the act and the ritual of these things. Why? One of the reasons is, is we're not careful. Our heart has become consumed not with the things of God, but the lures, he says, of wealth. And all of a sudden, we're, we're not connecting with the family of God weekly. 
all of a sudden we're no longer giving back to the Lord, we're giving back to the Lord literally weekly as we go. And so I wanna encourage you, look at your calendars, look at your checkbook. What does it say about what your heart is consumed with? The powerful exercise of doing it is those things won't lie. It'll tell you where your time and your treasure are going. The last seed, and this is an encouraging one, we see in verse 23, the seed that fell on good soil represents those who truly hear and understands God's word and produce a harvest of 30, 60, and even 100 times as much as they have been planted. Here's the, the last heart, and I love this one. It's a transformed heart. Now look at the impact of a transformed heart. Jesus is speaking to a group here along the sea and agriculturally minded culture and community in this time. A good seed in that time would produce eight times fold. Jesus is saying, I, I want to tell you about what a transformed heart, a seed planted in that kind of heart. It's going to produce 30, 60, 100 times. This is nothing short of miraculous. And as the people heard, they're like, what are you, 30, 60, I can't even fathom this kind of thing that one seed would have such impact. But when a seed is planted, the seed of the gospel is planted in the heart of, of a person and their heart is transformed, the impact is miraculous. It grows exponentially. The fruit is so great in a heart that's been transformed, listen, that people around can't help but notice. The kindness and integrity and the godliness of your life is unexplainable to them. The compassion in which you share the gospel with others is undeniable. The priority of church and Christian community is uncomparable with anything in your life. The love for people is irrefutable and your forgiveness is unconditional. And a life like this produces fruit that is irresistible to those around. So Jesus tells the story of seeds and soil. And he shares it in such a way that he says, listen, those of you who have ears to hear, hear. Those of you that are listening with the idea of growth and change, he says, I want you to answer a question. The question really for us today is this. What is the condition of the soil of your heart. When Jesus concluded the teaching on this parable that the crowds dispersed back into the hillside, but they were really left dispersing, thinking about three, three key questions, and I think there are three questions for us today. And the first question is simply this. Do you know Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior? Have you experienced his forgiveness and hope that comes through a relationship with him? That's the most important question. If you haven't, I want to invite you to join me today in doing that. You simply do that by just praying, confessing, asking God, acknowledging your need for him in your life. And so just in this moment, before we come distracted and consumed with other things, I want to invite you, if you've never done that, to just join me in this simple but yet profound prayer. Just pray these words to the Lord. They don't have to be the exact words. It's not the words that save you. It's the attitude of your heart. But simply say, Dear Heavenly Father, I realize that I'm a sinner and my need for you in my life. Jesus, I thank you that you came and you died on the cross that I could have not only forgiveness for my sins, but I could have the free gift of eternal life. And so Lord, today I'm placing my trust and my faith in you alone for the forgiveness of my sins and for the free gift of eternal life. In Jesus' name.
Amen. If you prayed that prayer today, no more exciting and important decision could you ever make. As a church, we wanna come alongside and encourage you, celebrate with you. We wanna help you grow in your new faith. And the best way to do that, if you'll just click the I prayed little button below, we'd love to connect with you and come alongside. Or if you're in a chat room, just simply put that chat, I prayed today, we're so excited for you. That's the first and most important question that Jesus wants us to answer. The second one, why Jesus shared in parables, he was talking to those that had placed their faith in him, who were trusting him, and the question is simply this, what in my life needs to change that the condition of the soil of my heart can be more fruitful? Where do I need to repent? Where do I need to make things right? Where do I need to reprioritize? Where does my life need to change so that my life can produce the kind of fruit that we're hearing, 30 and 60 and 100 fold? For some of you, the moment I started into this, the Holy Spirit brought something to mind. My encouragement for you is that don't put it off. We're gonna close in a song, and during that time, just take some time with you and the Lord and say, God, this is an area of my life I just wanna make right. This is an area of my life I wanna grow to be even more like you in. Because God's honored with those kind of prayers. You know, the third, I think the question as Jesus left that inspired the crowd and moved them, and that was for those who, again, have had transformed hearts. The question is simply this, who in your life do you need to share the seed of the gospel with that they can experience the kind of life transformation that you've experienced? As we sing and close out today, I wanna encourage you to just ask the Spirit to bring that person's name, their, their face to your mind, and begin to pray, God, help me to be able to plant seeds. Let me pray that the Spirit of God will open their eyes and open their ears that they can not just hear, but they could listen to the truth of the gospel. Parables, an amazing thing from an amazing teacher who taught in such a way that some would leave confused, but others would leave with greater clarity. The condition in the issue was not the condition of the head, but it's the issue of the heart. And we're gonna see that over the weeks to come in our summer series entitled The Parables of Jesus. Let's pray together. Father, today... Thank you so much for the truth of your word. Thank you today for those who made decisions to place their faith into you for the very first time. We're so excited. But God, for all of us today, help us to truly listen. May your spirit remind us the condition of our own, the soil of our hearts. God, where we need to adjust, help us to adjust. Where we need to be encouraged, help us to be encouraged. But God, in all these things, we ask that we would have a life that produces the kind of fruit that's worthy of who you are. In your name we pray, amen.